Okay. All right, everybody, welcome in to the Hardly Knowledgeable podcast. I don't even know what episode this is anymore. Uh, we, we, I'm probably five, I think, actually. So it might be six. All right, might be six. Um, I'm joined here with uh, Drew Schoenberger. Uh, uh, no Bryson today. He had to be up early tomorrow. Uh, so uh, we're recording this after the Sunday night football game between the Raiders and Chargers. What a game was that? What oh, a game was that? Man. Brutal for, for Chargers betters like myself, but, you know, it's a fun game. Yeah, imagine being a Steelers fan watching that thing. Oh, man. They had to be so scared that he's going to miss that field goal and they were going to lose on a tie. I would have I died laughing, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they they showed a they showed a shot of a Steelers fan like flipping out in the crowd and I thought it was I thought it was great. I swear yeah. there's always a third there's always like a neutral fan at those games. Like there are a bunch of Chiefs fans in Houston today. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah. I you know, for some reason my that game was like blocked out for blacked out for like the first first half for me. So I couldn't even watch the first half. And then it was twenty one to nothing, so I just decided not to watch it. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. All right. Well, um, this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, national title game coming up between uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs. So uh, we've got that coming up for you later in the show. We're going to actually open up with uh, the Kansas Jayhawks and the Kansas State Wildcats basketball. Uh, They both played a game this Saturday. They both lost a game this Saturday. So Drew, you want to talk about the Hawks loss uh, in Lubbock? (laughs) Yeah, so not a pretty sight in Lubbock. Um, Texas Tech was without their top two players, Terrence Shannon Jr., who's been there for a while. And I haven't watched a lot of Texas Tech, so I don't remember who the second guy. I think it's like a five-star freshman that's been pretty good for him. Um, but yeah, it's a tough place to play, and we didn't come ready. Remy Martin wasn't healthy, but that's not really a good excuse. You know, they, they weren't healthy either. Um, I guess when you start out slow offensively and then you don't have any – center in that game that can really play well like Mitch Lightfoot started and he got two fouls and after Dave McCormick had a good game on Tuesday he didn't really show up and even freshman Zach Clements got some minutes and no one could get it going I'm pretty sure Texas Tech scored like 80 85 percent of their points in the paint just couldn't stop them had a good effort to come back Ochai Baji and Christian Brown kind of put the team on their back uh Jalen Wilson had a good game he got the start but I'm glad we were able to come back and almost win that game but just fell short and got to be a lot better. If we don't have good play down low, we're not going to go very far come March. So got to keep it going. Got a big, yeah. game, got a big game in Allen Fieldhouse on Tuesday against Iowa state. So. Yeah. How nice is the big 12 conference to throw, throw you into Lubbock and then give you a nice cupcake against the top 12 team um, in your place. I mean, it is just brutal this year. Yeah. Um Speaking of brutal, uh, I think we'll see just how brutal the Big 12 Conference is uh, when you have the uh, when you're a fan of the Kansas State Wildcats. They went on the road to uh, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, to play Bob Huggins and his uh, Mountaineers, who just got healthy recently. They're they're 12 and two now, and they're a pretty good football or pretty good basketball team. Yeah, we're talking basketball, not football. Um, and the Cats went there and they opened out. With a, they led by as many 17 points in the first half. Uh, they went there with eight scholarship players, which was one up from what they opened up with against Texas, but they had one basketball coach left. That's it, one full-time basketball coach left. 
they played they played well. Opened up to opened up with a seventeen point lead, led by thirteen at half, and then you know credit West Virginia. You know it dwindled away. And this team, I don't know what it is about it, but they just don't seem very clutch. I don't know what it is. They haven't when it comes down to the the one possession games. It's just the last shots I just don't agree with. You know, we saw it against Marquette. We saw it against Oklahoma. We saw it against uh, Morgantown. I just, I didn't like them. However, the for the first half, we saw there was a talent deficiency. If on the West Virginia side, I think Kansas State was a more talented basketball team in, in Morgantown uh, this Saturday. I don't know. I don't know if you saw the game, if you caught any of it, but they, they you know, they impressed me. Uh, when you can get Marquise Noel and, um, Nigel Pack on the floor at once. It's you got two shooting threats. Ish Masood was knocking down stuff. Mark Smith is really coming into his own, averaging like eleven points per game. Um, and then Davion, Davion played a really, really aggressive game. Really, really good game. So, um, gotta win this week against TCU. They're coming home. They're going to be in Bramlage. You gotta win against TCU. I don't think. I don't think coming back from an own four start in conference play is very good. So yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, I will add, I think K-State is definitely shown that they can, because, you know, when you see that the big 12 has all these ranked teams and then the teams that aren't ranked, are still pretty good. It's kind of like, well, how's K-State going to do, you know, K-State struggled with Marquette, who's kind of been up and down this year. Same with Arkansas. Illinois had a pretty good year, but you know, all those tough teams, but it seems like K-State can definitely hang and can definitely win these games. But at some point you have to actually, win the games because if you fall too below 500, you know, like most of the bracket people have K-State out of the tournament. And if you want to make the tournament, you got to start winning some games at some point. Yeah. And definitely, I think they got to put two halves together, Mm -hmm. you know, against Arkansas, we saw they started off bad in the first half. They started off bad in the first half against Oklahoma. Um, And then, you know, in the first half of the Texas and West Virginia games, they were incredible. And then it just kind of dwindled down. Mm -hmm as the game went on. So put two halves together and I think you got a pretty good, pretty pesky basketball team here in Manhattan. So, all right, enough about basketball for now. Uh, We find out that the real quick, we're both Chiefs fans. We found out that they're playing the Steelers and Big Ben. I just want want, want you to give me your uh, quick little take on that. Okay. So, for those that remember, the Chiefs played the Steelers at home, so the same same place, same everything, pretty recently, like two weeks ago. I think it was the day after Christmas. And the Chiefs won that game 36-10, to 10, and the Steelers only had 10 because they scored a garbage-time touchdown. I'm assuming since this is a playoff game and, you know, Big Ben and Mike Tomlin have been there before that it's going to be probably a little tired than that. But, you know, the Chiefs kind of need a little tune-up after these last couple weeks, you know, losing to the Bengals and losing out the, on the one seed and then – Having a game against the Broncos that you probably should have lost, but you find a way to win, which good teams find a way to win games. But you got to – even though it's a playoff game, it would be nice to kind of blow them out, which I think with, you know, the quarterback difference and I think the Chiefs are just all around more talented. I think it should be a blowout, but it could be close. But getting some momentum in that game might be beneficial. So if the Chiefs don't win, I'm going to be a mess for like a month. Like it's going to be awful. That, you know, them losing would probably be a classic Chiefs move there. Oh, it's the first time Mahomes has ever played on wildcard weekend. So it's interesting. I'm sure that probably doesn't mean much, but we'll, we'll see. 
Yep, definitely. I mean, Andy, Andy Reid, give him a week to prepare. I think it'll be fine. Just hard to beat a team twice. Hard to beat a team twice. So. Steelers, All right. Steelers are frisky. They, you know, one week they look real bad and then they'll beat a good team. So we got to just stay focused and it's not going to be a, we just can't think we're going to walk over them or we're going to find ourselves losing. So hopefully we can pull it out. Yeah, yeah definitely. And of course, Arrowhead will probably be a little bit more alive than it was. Um, you know, early on. The night game, so night games are usually a little more night game, night game and playoff, and, you know, the Steelers game a while ago really didn't mean anything, but this one means a lot more, so I think Arrowhead will definitely come come ready to go. Uh, so, all right, moving on, uh, the national title game, the Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, the playing against the Georgia Bulldogs, the SEC East and West. It's the SEC, the SEC championship game all over again, I guess. Um, I don't know if you've seen Twitter. You know, we're both followers of the three-year letterman, and those those dogs fans, man, they're in Indianapolis, aren't they? They're ready to go. Um, the, the gladiators so, are in are in town. Do you think they've been fully face painted and fully gladiatored up the whole the whole week here, or what? They they better be. I mean, they, I feel like I feel like yeah. if you're not, that's just a letdown. You know? Yeah. That would disappoint me. That would disappoint me if they weren't. So, all right. So, Georgia Bulldogs, Alabama Crimson Tide. Drew, I'm going to let you take it away and give us your give us your run of it first. Okay. So, little little breakdown of what happened the first time they played. So, Alabama, for most of the SEC schedule, it looked a little like they can't really run the ball and they have trouble blocking for Bryce Young. And it looked like Georgia's defense, which has probably about like nine pros in that unit, Looked like Georgia was just going to eat them up. But then Alabama, for whatever reason, they figured out their blocking, were able to get Brian Robinson going. And then Georgia's corners were not able to hang with Jamison Williams, who's one of the best receivers in the country. He's just really explosive. He's kind of like a college version of Tyree Kill. You know, if he just gets loose, he's gone. And Georgia couldn't stop that. And then Stetson Bennett had the throw. And, you know, Stetson Bennett's a decent quarterback. But if you haven't thrown 40, 50 times in a game, you're probably not going to win. So, I think this time around, Georgia's got some adjustments to make. Uh, no John Mechie for Alabama, who's their number two receiver. It's pretty big. They've got to figure out a way to slow down Jamison Williams. I thought that Cincinnati did a pretty good job with it, but they also have two first-round or, you know, two guys that are going to get drafted for corner. And Georgia, that's like the one little weakness in Georgia's defense. They don't really have, like, the high-end corners that Cincinnati did, but they've got to figure out a way – to slow him down. You can't have, you know, like Bryce Young still threw to Jamison Williams against Cincinnati, but he didn't, but he didn't hit on like an 80 yard touchdown, which I think he did twice against Georgia. So you got to slow him down. You know, you got better personnel up front than Cincinnati did. So you should be able to slow down Brian Robinson a little bit. And then on offense, you got to make some plays. So are you picking now? No. Okay, so I got – so, yeah, that's what – so that's what I think. That's my little breakdown of it. I think this game will come down to if, like, Stetson Bennett can make more plays than Bryce Young, which seems crazy, but you never know. I think here's, – here's what I think. I think – I think that Georgia has to be able to run the ball because you, you – you can't have you can't just rely on Stetson Bennett to throw out of necessity. Um, he can't do that. You know, he ha- they have to be able to run the ball. They have to be able to work some things in this play action. 
you can't have Stetson Bennett throw the ball 50 times in a game because that is not the type of quarterback he is. So I think this Alabama team is very talented offensively. Bryce Young is just impressive. He's just impressive. And we saw against Cincinnati, the ability for the ability for the tight to run the ball um, really, really showed up, you know, in, in, in uh, their first game. I think, you know, I think that Nick Saban, really good coach. Uh, They probably are going to come back with a similar game plan to how they attacked Georgia um, the first time in the SEC title game. And I think Georgia, it's up to Georgia to make some, make some, you know, adjustments and figure out what you're going to do, but that's a really, really good defense. And they've got some really good defensive minds over there in Athens. I don't know if you knew this, but Will Muschamp, uh, do you know, Will, he was head coach at South Carolina and Florida. He, uh, he started off his career as a defensive coordinator at the university of Alabama and was considered to be one of the greatest defensive minds to ever coach. Um, and one of the best defensive minds in the country. He's actually a defensive analyst for Georgia this year. Um, Kirby brought him on in the off season, you know, it was kind of, kind of not talked about, but you've got, you've got eyes like that. You've got Kirby smart himself. Um, and then who did Oregon hire as their head football coach? Dan Landing, the D.C. Yeah, the D.C. So you've got – I mean, you've got three really quality defensive minds there just looking at film on Alabama and figuring out how to attack them. So I think we'll see a lot different – much more different of a game than we saw in, you know, in, in Atlanta the first time. Uh, so, I mean, that's – I mean, that's my breakdown. So we can go into picks here. Uh, we'll start with Bryson, and then we'll go over to yours, okay? Okay. All right, Bryson thinks that it will be close for three quarters, uh, and then Bama pulls away at the end. You can't bet against Saban. S-A-B-E-N. All right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All right, Drew, you, you want to go ahead and take away your pick there. Yeah, I guess Bryson doesn't have autocorrect on his text. But uh, I, uh, I agree with Bryson. I think that this game will be close. I don't think either way it's a blowout. I think if Georgia wins, it's going to be a close, close low-scoring game. I think if Bama wins, there'll probably be a little more scoring just because that's kind of how their offense has been all year. But I think they'll – I think it'd be a one-score game, and I just trust – I just trust Bryce Young a lot more than I trust Georgia's offense. Georgia's offense has some fun players. They got George Pickens at receiver, Brock Bowers at tight end. Stetson Bennett, I think, has proven this year that he can win a big game. But I just think when you got a quarterback like Bryce Young, it's really hard to pick against him. So I'm going to go with Bama. I'm going to root for Georgia. Hope hope it's a close game because the last couple championships we've had have not been close. So it'd be fun to have one that actually kind of mattered going to the end. So, but I'll I'll take Bama. All right. Well, here's here's the thing, Drew. There has been a power play by the SEC to get their teams in the title game. It's happened twice now. The SEC Anon is disguising themselves as ESPN, and everybody knows it, all right? We're going to have a different game than we had in Atlanta, and I think that Georgia's going to absolutely dominate because I think they're the better football team, all right? They've looked at all season. I think they're just the better ball team. So I think that they threw the game in Atlanta, all right, so Alabama could be in because everybody knew Alabama was better than Cincinnati, so everybody knew what was going to happen there. They threw the game in Atlanta because Greg Sankey told them to. SEC and on the college football deep state or the SEC deep state disguised as ESPN, you everybody need to look out because they're going to take over college football, all right? Georgia 
Georgia by 17. 17, all right. 17. I will say that, you know, you guys probably think no one's, like, joking. He's, like, what, like, half joking here? Like, this is this is real. However, I will say that freaking uh, – what's his name? Tank Bigsby, the running back for Auburn. If the dude stays in bounds, they beat Alabama. He ran out of bounds. He didn't even stay in bounds. He ran out of bounds. He, that, that like you. Bryce, Young, like Bryce Young and Alabama needed every second they had on that last drive. They would not – that cost like 30, 40 seconds. Oh, I – Mm-hmm. Makes me sick. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. Mike Gundy once said, makes me want to puke. You know, I'm just. <laughs> Alabama <laughs> had two losses and not made the playoff, and then instead they got the one seed, and now might might win a championship. Like, oh man. Mm-hmm. Yep. I yep. The SEC for all the people for all the people that are mad, don't blame the SEC. Blame blame Tank Bigsby. No, don't blame Tank Bigsby. The SEC paid him off. Oh, you think? Oh, you think? You think the deep state went back to that game? That's interesting. It's that deep, man. That's that crazy. Deep. All right, <laughs> there is our college football play, or there's our college football national championship prediction. There is one more game I want to talk to you about, Drew. Before we go, you and I were both in Houston at the beginning of the week. This week, we saw the Texas Bowl take place between the Kansas State Wildcats and the LSU Tigers. K State. One, I'm going to go with 42 to 14. That's not what the final score read, but they won 42 to 14. All right. That was, I think that that last touchdown was, was a load. Okay. I don't, I disagree with it. Yeah, that was cheap. I got to say that was, that was real cheap. Well, it was Brian. It was probably Brian Kelly probably got on the phone. We need to score a touchdown, whatever. It probably, anyway, Um, we had a good time down there in Houston at NRG. But I want to talk to you about what this win means for the Kansas State Wildcats football program moving forward. So, right. so head first. Okay, so I think it's pretty big. I know that to outsiders, well, I mean, I think to us too, like it's like, okay, you beat LSU, you know, you're big favorites, and LSU had all their all their starters out and they had a bunch of opt outs, but you know, they still have a bunch of four and five star recruits out there, and you know, that's kind of the recruiting pitch. It's like, hey, like we beat. We beat LSU. Their starters went in there, but they still had way more talented recruits than what we had. You know, K-State's got a lot of two- and three-star guys from the state of Kansas out there, and LSU's got all these four- and five-star guys from down in SEC land. So I think to go in there and, you know, I'm sure if uh, a different person was calling the plays, K-State probably doesn't put up 42, but you had a change, and you put up 42 points, and – you know, I guess we don't really know how good those LSU players are because that's the only like game that we have as like a sample. But I think that, you know, coming in, you should be able to recruit good. Like, hey, look how we did in this game. You know, it just also looks good for Chris Kleiman to get his first bowl win to have another eight win season. So all those things, all those things are good. I don't know if it changes too much in the future, but hopefully it helps out with recruiting and some momentum for Colin Klein, Colin plays and all that stuff. So, all right. You remember the highlights from the Kansas State Wildcats. You know, the the crowds, how big they were, how tough the bill was to play in when it was at capacity and jam-packed. They, they, I mean, they've packed 55,000 people in there before, and I think we got close to a sellout once, you know, this year. Mm-hmm. I think this has done more 
for Chris Kleiman on a on the home front than it has on a national scale. I think that this has generated excitement in the fan base, seeing how well Colin Klein can call plays. That was the same offense that we had all season, by the way. That was the same offense we had all season. Just it was more creative, and we saw that. All right. Um, I think this has galvanized a fan base around Chris Kleiman. Um, I think this is the most dominating bowl win that we've seen from the Wildcats since the 2013 Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl when they played against Michigan. I think that this game was huge to get the fan base behind Chris Kleiman and the fan support that we need, that he needs to succeed. The fans have kind of been dwindling away uh, since about, you know, I'd, I'd say about 2016, you know, they went into the year, they ranked, they ranked number 16. They won their first two games. And then they went on the road to play Vanderbilt. And Kansas State fans, they went they went with Bill to play Vanderbilt. And then they lost. They lost to Vanderbilt. Like, it was, like, 17 to 14. Like, it was terrible. Or 14 to 7. They lost to Vanderbilt. And so, since then, the Cats, you know, the fans of K-State, you know, they haven't really been um, on board uh, with the football program. And I think this is getting them bought in. And this is getting – butts in seats and people coming from everywhere to watch uh, all corners of the state of Kansas to watch K-State football now. So I think this was bigger than in program, in-house and recruiting. I think this was good for the fan base. We'll see. We'll can't, I'm going to make a comparison that a lot of Kansas State fans won't like, but Kansas State's fan base is like Iowa State's fan base. All right. The only difference is Iowa State's fan base has been much more excited than the Wildcats have they've had more to be excited about because Matt Campbell has brought something to the program that they can rally around. I think Chris Kleiman, that win is going to bring the fans around him. And then the first three games of the season are crucial. Uh, they've got Tulane an FCS school, and then they've got Missouri. If they can beat Missouri at home, watch out. These cats are going to be scary next year. All right. That's a way too early prediction for the next season, but this bowl, this bowl game, I think meant a lot. So. So yeah, yeah, all that's that's all I have to say about that. All right, that's all I got to say about that. Also, back to the uh, the SEC and on all that good stuff we we're talking about earlier. Yeah. I just want to call out all the people on Twitter who have been saying that oh, college football needs to change because it's the same teams that dominate every year. All right, the only team that dominates every year is Alabama. You know, people are saying, oh, it's Alabama and Georgia. This is only the second time that Georgia has made the playoff. So, I'm just throwing it out there. The, only other, team, the only other team that has dominated the getting into the playoff is Clemson. They have they one played, appearance in Bama. Yeah, and they played in the Cheez-A Bowl this year. Yeah, so, like, Clemson, I think, is still one of the top programs, even with them losing all their assistant coaches. But – I'm just saying, like, there's been eight playoffs. Bama's been to seven. Clemson's been to six. And then, the like, Ohio State and Oklahoma have been to four. Then everybody else has been to year two or one. Mm-hmm. So, I just don't think it's – like, I don't think college football has a problem. I think it's just Nick Saban is the best, like, ever. Yeah, I agree. And, listen, wait Nick Saban out. Nick Saban's got to retire eventually, you know. He's getting older. So, I think – once he's gone, I think the game will get a lot more competitive. I agree. I don't know who Alabama – I'm just excited to see what happens when Nick Saban retires and just to see the coaching search and how that goes. That'll be insane. Also, did you hear what he said about NIL today? No, what did he say? He, I don't have, like, a, an exact quote, but he basically said 
that he thinks that the way NIL is going is bad for college football, which I found interesting because the way it is going, like, totally benefits him. Yeah. But like that just throw, they could just throw more money. So I actually kind of like that he said that. Maybe that he said it. Maybe there will be – I don't know how you could regulate it. But – In the SEC, <laughs> in the SEC lands, donors are, like, setting up, like, setting up funds to pay kids to come play. Yeah. Like, that's not what an IL supposed which, to be. Which, to be honest, that was probably happening before. They can just be honest about it now. Yeah, but that's not but, what an IL yeah. supposed to be. So, the NCAA needs to regulate it. The, yep. I agree. The NCAA needs to get a committee together, and they need to figure out how to regulate well, I mean, it. We have, like, Central Michigan throwing a million dollars at Caleb Williams. Like <laughs> Exactly. So, so I – yeah, something needs to be done to fix it. I mean, the NCAA, have they passed any policy around it, or has the Supreme Court just said you need to do this? And then the NCAA hasn't done anything about it yet. I think it was like – I think like California like two years ago and maybe some other state said that like, yeah, we'll let NIL be a thing, and then it just kind of got like forced. Like, yeah. I'm pretty the- sure that Mark Emmert does not want NIL. Like that dude yeah. hates people can pay. So – yeah, I think states were just starting to regulate it, and he said, "All right, screw it." And now it's kind of it's getting a little chaotic, but I think also the transfer portal. I think the transfer portal uh, is getting a little rough too. I think they need to figure out a way to regulate that too. The no, the no penalty. Yeah, I think they need to. How did that work before? Because sometimes you could transfer and not sit out, but in other times you had to sit out. I never so, understood. So it was like if the coach like made you promises and stuff, and then they failed to go through on them, mm-hmm. then you could go and you wouldn't have to sit out for a year. So like Shea Patterson was one of the last ones I can think of that it was a big controversy around him, and he went and he didn't have to sit out for a year. But like if you just want to outright transfer, you sit out. I remember there was a situation where like some dude. It was like a it was like a small school, like a small D two school, but it made like national headlines. There was some guy who was playing basketball at like a West Coast school, and he's from New York or something. And then I think it was his um he had a he had a wife or a girlfriend, and she had a kid, and then she got like really sick after she had the kid, and I think she was like dying or was in really bad condition. So then he wanted to transfer back home so he could be with his family that he had. And then the NCAA said that he had to sit out a year. And it's like, I don't know. There was a bunch of weird stuff going on with all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think – yeah. But I think they'll have to bring the penalty back and, like, look at it. So, I think there were, like, a 1,000, like, 1,500 student-athletes and then football players that entered the transfer portal this year. I mean, these coaches already have – like, you basically have to recruit the transfer portal. Like, that's just going to be something that happens every mm-hmm. year. Yeah, you have to recruit both the transfer portal and high school ranks, and I think that's a lot, especially for a program like Kansas State and Kansas who don't have the budget yeah. to hire staffs to do that, you know? So, um, I don't know. And you can't, like, actively recruit these players while they're still at the school either, which is, like, it's tough. And I think the coaching carousel this year probably has something to do with it. Just there's been – like, Caleb Williams, I guess that his dad – had said, I don't know if his dad's his agent or if his dad just speaks for him all the time, but they said coming in to Oklahoma that their number one goal is to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Like, that's it. Like, I'm sure they want to win a national championship because who wouldn't, but, like, that's not really their priority. So the fact that, you know, you're getting Brent Venables and Jeff Levy and they're calling plays, like, you, you just lost Lincoln Riley. So it's interesting to see where he's going to go. Like, I doubt it'd be Central Michigan because they're throwing money at him. Yeah. Well – 
I also just I understand like going to a university to like get you know be the number one pick in the NFL draft but I also don't like that mindset you're there to play for your teammates to play for your university and just to play football for Oklahoma and play football for the fans I just I hate the mindset that's like me 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 I don't know he's got to be going to the SEC school right unless he follows to USC he won't go to USC I think he'll go He's not going back to Oklahoma because they already got Gabriel, and I don't think they. I don't think Gabriel would have gone there if he wasn't like promised a starting job. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think he'll go to the SEC. I mean, LSU, Georgia, probably one of them. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think they'll get. I'm trying to think. Did LSU get a quarterback off the transfer portal recently, or so, was that they? So what happened was, Auburn did get somebody. Auburn got the guy from A and M. Yeah. Alabama. Yeah. That's um, who I was thinking of. Yeah. LSU had Miles Brennan, who was the backup this year, and he's supposed to be really good, but he hasn't really played. And he entered the transfer portal and then came back, but opted out of the bowl game. Mm. So they have him. But I mean, Georgia, like, you're going to lose Stetson Bennett because I'm pretty sure he's like a 60 year guy. Uh huh. So then it's like you would have, like, you have JT Daniels, I guess, but I don't think anyone knows how, how good he is. He's bad. <laughs> he's, well, he's never played like he at USC he got hurt and then Kadon Slovis who was just better than him came in and then he transferred to Georgia got hurt again and then Stetson Bennett was just better and it's like well better no. twice because it happened last year and then well, it happened again this year well he didn't get hurt this year he just got benched for Stetson no I think he had a concussion I think like I think there were a couple games where he was hurt because I remember well, being but anyway he hasn't won the starting job back, though. So, And Setson Bennett, like, I think he's all right, but, like, he's kind of just like a game manager type. Like, I don't know. I if the, I mean, if there is – if Stetson Bennett is good enough to start over um, JT Daniels, then JT Daniels isn't good. Like, if there's that little of a gap between how good they are, then JT Daniels – He's think. like a replacement level. Like, I'm sure he could play somewhere, but probably not. Probably not at a high enough level to play and win at the University of Georgia the way they want to win. Mm-hmm. So, who would you take, yeah. Jake, Jake Fromm or, or <laughs> JT? Kirby Smart should be fired because he started Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. Yeah, maybe that was <laughs> that was bad. I I remember when that happened, people were outraged, and I was like, "No, Jake Fromm's good." And then we saw Justin Fields play at Ohio State, and we're like, "Oh my god, like this guy messed up." <laughs> Jake Fromm was winning them games, though, is the thing. Jake Fromm was this close to winning a national title. As exactly. A <laughs> and was close to winning an SEC title the next year. So, I don't blame I don't blame Kirby for that. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, you want to touch on this, uh, this uh, Bedlam-type game that we just watched? <laughs> that game was intoxicated. I mean, that game was on drugs. It was hilarious. I loved, I loved watching it. I really thought that they were going to uh, – I really thought they were going to tie there at the end, the way the Raiders were just running the ball and they weren't calling. I mean, I understand they wanted to run the clock down low enough, but you'd think you'd want to get closer to kick that field goal. Um, But yeah, I thought that they were trying to run it out. So, but that was insane. I, I have some thoughts. So for one, maybe with missing a playoff berth with a really talented team, maybe Brandon Staley will scale back the uh, aggression that he has. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. I, I I get going for like the fourth and two when you're down 10-0 to start the game and you're at like a 20. I actually like that call. Like 
yeah, you could take the three, but it's like you have two yards and you have Herbert and you have like a good running back and two elite receivers. Like I like those kind of calls, but like what was the score? Like were they down? They were down three. They were down they three. It, and they went for it on fourth and one on like their own 15. Yeah, like you're just giving them. And they got – I think they only got three off of that. The Raiders did. Yeah, it's still, they did. Like, you can't – this is a winner-take-all game. And you're just giving away three points. And by the way, you gave away the second Chiefs game by doing that too. I didn't know much about that coach. I, Because I, he, what, he's his first year, right? Mm-hmm. But this game made me not like him because that was too aggressive. Like, I understand being aggressive. If I were to call a game, I would be aggressive, but I would not be as aggressive as he was. It's like me of- playing Madden. Like, I go for every fourth down, but, like, that's because, like, in Madden, like, you're playing against the computer and you have plays that work. Like this is real football against professionals. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, by the way, they were converting on a lot of fourth downs. I don't, I don't fault them for that. Like they converted. I think they only missed one fourth down. Yeah. That so it was, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like him. I don't like that as much. And then going for two there, um, it worked out for him. But I would have waited to go for two on the last touchdown instead of that one. So, apparently, that's, like, the new analytics thing is, like, when you're down nine after the touchdown is to go for two first because that way if you don't get it, you know you need two scores. But it's also, like, you could just get the second score. I don't know. Which I thought he was going to go for two the second time, which I honestly thought he should have done. Like, you're on the road. You just end the game because their receivers were struggling to get open. Like, Herbert was having to do – you know, like Herbert had the carry. Like their receivers were not getting any separation or anything. I thought, you know, you just go for two. Like I get not going for two because a tie does get you in the playoffs, but I don't know. Yeah, I. When you have a end it, there, if he would have gone for two there, I just think. Uh, I think that I agree. I think that would have been too aggressive. I don't like going for. T- that's chasing points almost. I don't. Go to go to overtime. I agree with the decision to go to overtime. It didn't work out for him at the end of the whole thing, but I agree with the decision to do it. Yeah. It's definitely the right call because, you know, the Raiders got a field goal, but then they went down and got a field goal, and then, you know, they just couldn't stop Jacobs. And... Oh, Derek Carr. Oh, and Derek Carr. He'll start a playoff game for the first time. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, he'll lose a playoff game for the first time too, so. You know, you know who they're playing, right? No, I do not. The Bills? Bengals. So, if they get those Cincinnati refs, it's over. I'm sorry. No one's beating them. <laughs> However, last time, they, on 14. last time they played them, they were all over Jamar. Like, or they, they were all over Joe, and Joe didn't have any time. Did they play this year? Yeah. And Max Crosby, I think, absolutely had a game. Oh, yeah, I guess they did because they played that division. Who won that? Did they win that game? I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, they did. I remember because I started Joe Burrow that week on my fantasy, and that week I decided that I would never start Joe Burrow again. The Joe Burrow, the Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. No, the Bengals beat them. The Bengals won? 32 to 13. Oh, crap. But Joe Burrow had one touchdown, zero picks, and 140 yards. Mm-hmm. So that was why. But, yeah, they killed him. I mean, the Raiders have been so up and down, it's hard to figure him out. By the way, I was thinking about that. Do they give that interim guy the head coaching job? He's He's still an interim, but – that's tough. Oh. Like he made the playoffs. Like, how can you not give him the inter- or the head coaching job after that? Especially if they if they win a game, like, yeah, because they could win. Like, yeah, 
I, I yeah, I don't. However, I will say, what that pi right before the half, dude. Yeah. So that was brutal. The dude was getting held, but the rule on pi was if the ball is catchable, it's pi. If it's not, it's not because you're not interfering with anybody if you can't catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Eric Carr threw that thing to the left side of the end zone, and they were under the goalpost. I think that the PI rule is very – the catchable rule part of the whole thing is very loose because there are things that you think are catchable that they determine is not, or I think it – Well, I think sometimes they're like, oh, well, if you didn't hold him, maybe he would have ran over there. But Zay Jones, the receiver, ran the opposite way that the ball went. So, like, yeah. unless he is the most athletic person – ever he's not catching that ball yeah yeah I agree yeah yeah no that was a fun football game to watch um I'm looking forward I really hope that the Raiders take out no actually I hope they don't take out the Bengals because I want the Chiefs to play the Bengals and I want to kill them I hope the Chiefs send them home questioning about what football is I hope have you ever seen uh the movie uh the water boy Um, yeah yeah, when he's when he's reading the book Football for Dummies in the opening practice, you know, scene. That's what I want the Bengals to feel like after they play the Chiefs in the playoffs. That's what I want. So, Sorry, I, so little, you know, we'll, we'll touch on this later, but like a little playoff preview. So Chiefs play the Steelers. Hopefully they win. So the Titans are the one seed. So then they'll get – how it works is like the one seed – gets the lowest remaining seed. And then the other two teams are just matched up against each other. So, like, if – I'm trying to think about how this would play out. If the Bengals – the Bills, the- So, the Bills and the Patriots play the 3-6, mm-hmm. which we've seen that game twice. They've split, and when the Patriots won, Mac Jones threw three passes, so I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. If the Patriots were to win – then they would play – if the Patriots were to win, they would play Tennessee. Tennessee. And then the Chiefs would get the winner of the Raiders-Bengals, which mm-hmm. – I mean, I don't want to play the Bengals again, but I feel like since they beat us once, we definitely have a good shot at getting them. Yeah. And then if we play the Raiders, like, I know we beat them twice, but I feel like it's a really bad matchup for them. Like, they just – Yeah. Like, I don't know if they just you can beat a team the third time when you got outscored by 30 – both games, you know? Yeah. And obviously I'm biased, but I feel like either, like in any situation, that's, yeah, I agree. That's tough. Yeah, definitely. So, do you hear that? What is that? It's a helicopter. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a life flight helicopter. We're right by the uh, hotel or the, <laughs> the hospital over here down the road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think the, uh, I think that I want to see the Bengals, but the way it would work, the way it's probably going to work out is the Bills will probably beat the Patriots because when they played in Foxborough the second time, the Bills absolutely killed them. Um, so I think that the Bills will win. We'll have to play the Buffalo mm-hmm. and then we'll listen. I'm going to be honest. I think the Bengals can probably beat the Titans. I think that I think that is probably the worst team that the Titans can play or the Chiefs at this point because of how beat up their secondary got today and just is already. The Titans are such a weird team because like 
you know, when Henry first went out, it was like their running back situation. Like they just couldn't figure it out. Like their running backs were getting no yards. And then like Tannehill was having to kind of carry, which like you don't really want Tannehill to have to just like, but yeah, like Tannehill's a good quarterback, but he's kind of like NFL Stetson Bennett. Like you don't really want him making every play. But then mm-hmm. like this Deontay Foreman, who I think played at Texas, if I remember correctly, he is like looking pretty good for them. But now you have Henry coming back. And I know Henry's like the best running back in the league and it's not close, but I wonder if, like that first game, it's going to be tough for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they should have played him a little bit today just to get his legs back underneath him. I'm wondering but, how healthy he – like, I wonder if he's actually healthy or if they're like, oh, we need him. Like, yeah. I mean, he's a freak, so he could definitely be healthy. But Yeah, definitely a game changer of an athlete, I think. But, yeah. Yeah, well, Drew, do you have anything else? Oh, yeah. I wish Bryson were here for this. I'm just going to say it. I think Cooper Cup should be the MVP. Actually? Yeah. I I just don't think – like the quarterback play between Rodgers and Brady and whoever else you want to throw in there, I think it was good. But I think Cooper Cup being the best receiver and winning the triple crown, which is like yards, catches, and touchdowns, only I think three other people have done it. I think it was Steve Smith, Jerry Rice, and – I, someone else that was kind of older. I don't know. But he's in good company. And I just don't think, like, any of the quarterbacks, like, I just don't think anything, like, stood out. Like, Rodgers will probably win it, and I think that'd be my pick. Although, I guess Brady has a case, too. But Rodgers is, like, I know before today, he was, like, ninth in passing yards, and I'm sure his QBR was good. But it wasn't like he was – like, he was really good. Like, Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the league and ever. But I just don't think – wasn't like he was, like, Peyton Manning in 2015 out there, you know? Yeah, I do have a question for you on that. Who won the MVP last year? Rodgers. year before that? Lamar. Yeah, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. That's a quarterback award. As well. not, I don't like being the guy that's like, oh, it's a quarterback award because, like, you know, I believe the last person who won it that wasn't was Adrian Peterson in, like, 2012. Like, The MVP is a quarterback award just like the Heisman is becoming a quarterback award. Like – You'll see a player like Devontae Smith speak up. But but what Devontae Smith did in college, that's what Cooper Cup just did. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and it's crazy because he – I feel like the Rams' offense is low-key not that good, and he just bails them out. Like, he – I swear, Stafford is like, oh, where's Cup? And then if Cup isn't open, they get screwed. Like, he – like, Stafford threw some kind of – some Stevies out there, you know? Like, he Mm – Stafford kind of lost in that game. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, also, just, also Debo Samuel, really good football player. <laughs> Did you watch that game? No. He was incredible. He, I think he threw a touchdown at one point. Yeah, he oh. threw a touchdown. I think he ran. I think he had the trifecta. I think he caught a touchdown, threw a touchdown, and ran a touchdown. Pretty impressive. Because, you know, he impressive. plays running back for them sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to pull up. The, he's He's insane. Like, well, Drew, I know how much you like talking about the NFL, but I'm going to put a pause on that because we're going to have an additional podcast this week coming yes, out, we previewing the NFL playoffs sometime this week. I'm not going to make any promises, but before Thursday, I would hope, uh, somewhere around Thursday. So be looking out for that. But from from Drew and myself, this was episode whatever of the Hardly Knowledgeable podcast. Go dogs. Let's beat the Crimson Tide tomorrow. Um, tune into that ESPN seven o'clock. Um, our time. 
Uh, so, Drew, any last thoughts before we before we leave this out here? Uh, Cooper Cup should win the MVP. Uh, college football's fine. Alabama's just really good. Um, rock chalk on Tuesday. Um, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening again. Uh, we will uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, one more thing, though, if you have any questions, feel free to DM us on Hardly Knowledge on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and uh, hit us in DMs. We'll answer it on the next podcast. All right. Well, thank you guys, and we'll see you next time.